Welcome back to episode 10 of the Two Preachers podcast, where today we're just two preachers talking about staying true to your mission, just trying to figure this thing out. Thanks again for joining us. My name is Ben James. I am pastor of First Church of Christ in Grayson, Kentucky, and I am joined by my friend, as always, Josh Schmidt, pastor of First Baptist Church, Grayson, Kentucky. Ben, is this really our 10th episode? It is. We are double digits old now. How have we not got canceled yet? When will the network cancel us? Has anyone actually listening to this? Um, no, and the that is reflective <laughs> of the level of sponsorship that we have yeah, yeah, with yeah, our yeah. Show. We're still working on sponsors. Uh, so if you own a business and you would love to swag us up, sponsor <laughs> us, man. We would love that, wouldn't we, Vid? Right now, I guess we're being brought to you by East Carter Football Program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I was going to wear that same pullover today, and um, I'm actually kind of glad that I didn't. I wouldn't want to freak our fans out. Yeah, that's that would, uh, as if just seeing us, listening to us, wouldn't cause freak out to begin with. But anyhow, let's uh, let's get going today. Josh, what's uh, what's a ministry moment since the last time we we spoke? Yeah, so we're back in person. I think I told you guys last episode we have we have rejoined in person for worship on a very uh, cautious, limited uh, basis. And I'm going to shout out one of my uh, friends who is one of my ministry partners, one of my pastoral interns, James Fletcher. Ben, you know James, James really well. James, as I call him, you drop the S on his name. Anyway, so we were uh, really fired up to be back together. We were uh, worshiping uh, in person, and I asked James to open us up in prayer <laughs> and the reading of the Scripture. And he read Psalm 150. It's one of my favorite psalms, yes. talking about uh, praising God in different ways. And there was a word in there, James, uh, that, that is going to haunt you for the rest of your life. Uh, it was tambourine, and James pronounced it trambone, not trombone. Not tambourine, but trambone. <laughs> trambone. And the look of confusion on everyone's face just warmed my soul, Ben. And so everyone else was like, what's happening? And I laughed so hard, I almost cried. And it was honestly probably my favorite ministry moment <laughs> of the last six months. So, James, I'm going to try to find a trambone for you, buddy. James, if it makes you feel any better, uh, none of us are immune to that. I was yeah. telling Josh the other day, one of the local sports teams that I do public address announcing for, the very first game that I did public address for them, they played the University of Southern Indiana Grenadiers. The Grenadiers. I, I practiced that word all day because, I mean, I've heard it my whole life, said it. It's you know, not not on you know, frequent basis. You heard it your basis, whole life? How often were people saying grenadiers to you, bitch? <laughs> come on, man. Where have you been? <laughs> Hiding under a rock? I mean, that's that's word of the day material right there. Yeah, but yeah. anyhow, I get to the game, and the very first statement in my welcome statement I'm introducing, I say, and they're taking on the University of Southern Indiana Grenaders. Yes. That's so Eastern Kentucky. Welcome. And that's what I said just right there on the public address. I am sorry. Welcome to Eastern Kentucky, folks. So, James, I you're not alone. It. You're not I alone. I love it. How about you, Ben? What about a ministry moment for you, Ben? What's been going on since the last time we talked? Well, we have we have not reopened uh, services right. as of this recording. Um, we have plans to, but we have not done that yet. But one of the things that we have been able to experience is an actual in-person staff meeting. Uh, nice. So, you know, we moved off of the world of Zoom for our staff meetings, which was always interesting because we had the 40-minute 
you know, kind of time cap that we would work with, and, and you really can't get to individual things. You can just do overall stuff. So we'd have a Zoom staff meeting, and then I would yeah. follow up the rest of the day individually with each staff on Zoom calls. So, um, you know, our Mondays were pretty much all Zoom related from a staff standpoint so we have been able to get back together see each other's face uh, wave at each other from at least six feet across the room and uh, and just spend some time together in person staff meeting so that's been good it's it's the best getting near people again one of the things so we're like every traditional southern baptist church we have a time of greeting during our service that literally every person hates but like to like nobody <laughs> likes doing it and so we have now transitioned from handshakes and hugs to uh like real stately bows like we'll mm-hmm. bow to each mm-hmm. other or we'll mm-hmm. do hypothetical hugs or or air high fives yeah. and so even when uh you're doing staff meetings now man you have the opportunity uh and the option to do any of those and still practice good social distancing absolutely and, and when we return to service we used to call ours the 3h time you know high fives handshakes and hugs Love uh, we are moving from the 3h format and we're going to a time of abcs uh, which is air high five bow and curtsies i love you know? it yes and, uh, you know um, my people are going to roll their eyes so yes. far into the back of there because I, I came up with that. That's why the level of corniness is so high. I love it. The so. I'm guessing the number of curtsies that have happened in that church is getting ready to increase exponentially. <laughs> We're going to have to dust off like Gandalf in Minas Tirith search, yes. researching the ring. We're going to have to dust off some some records and and I love it. see where we're at. I love it. So, Josh, talking about our topic for today of staying true to your mission, uh, let's talk about, number one, why is it important? Why is it important enough that we're saying that we need to dedicate an episode to stay true to the mission? Uh, do you think maybe it's because we look around and see a bunch of churches jumping off the mission? <laughs> I mean, that's just honestly... and. I think our natural tendency right now, specifically in the context that we're in, is to put the mission on hold and, and to just kind of pause everything. Um, and that is so dangerous, don't you yeah. think, Ben? Yeah. When you when you think about it, you know, we have been doing this, and I say we, I mean collectively the Big C Church uh, from uh, the institution of the church the, uh, uh, by Christ. Uh, we've been doing this for 2,000 years now. And this ain't the first plague, man. This this yeah, is not the right. first uh, difficult moment in the history of the church. And so why would we stop? Well, number one, we, we can't stop because the mission is too important to stop. Mm-hmm. Our uh, call, Matthew 28, which we're going to talk about in just a minute, I'm sure, uh, our responsibility as the church to be the church um, is too important for us to quit. And there's no better time than we've had, in, in my lifetime at least, to, to carry out the mission of the church. So... Why would we not stay true to it in this Amen. moment? Amen. And I think, you know, not only in this moment, but like you said, we, the church has had difficulty with this all throughout its history. Uh, just, number one, because man is involved. And whenever yeah. you get human beings involved in something, then there's always this battle and this issue and this lean towards being prideful of aiming after what we want to aim after and setting the mission for what we want to. And, you you know, as as you know, and, and as my daughter so loves to give me a hard time about, I am very passionate about my lawn care um, at the house. And, you know, and I, I look at, from a mission standpoint of a church, uh, whether it be big C, little C, whether we're talking about entirety church or local church, 
one of the biggest enemies that we fight and one of the biggest temptations that we fight is distraction and things yeah. that will take our eyes off of Christ, take our focus off of Christ. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm very I'm very proud of the lines in my lawn whenever I get done mowing. And one of the ways that I establish nice, straight lines is that if I'm going over a short-term type thing, which is my lawn, you know, I look, when I make the turn, I pick out an object and I focus and keep the lawnmower pointed straight at that object. So my focus is not on what's directly in front of me, but my focus and my ultimate goal is staying true to that point that I've picked out. It's excellent. Uh, now, I think that's the same with the church. That's where we need to be, especially in you know shorter-term situations when we're looking at whether it's we're at a time of peace or we're at a time of plague or whatever you know that is. We have to make sure that we're staying true to what our focus is supposed to be. And then if you look at a bigger example of that, if you get out into um, you know like oceanic travel and navigation. Um, you know, it becomes something that you can't just pick a point off into the distance. Uh, yeah. There's not any type of landmark. So there has to be this internal mechanism within the vessel itself that guides you. And I think that when we get into trouble and getting off of mission um, is when we lose either that thing that's directly in front of us that we need to be focusing and concentrating on or we lose sight of that internal guide which in our case is God's Holy Spirit yeah. that keeps us pointed in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about what that point is off in the distance that we're looking to towards or our internal rudder that guides us. Um, the mission from a macro level, Ben, I think you've got an article that you're going to kind of broach today with us and talk about. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, from from a macro level or from, from the church overall because all churches have the same mission. We're all on the same mission. Now, we'll get into the, the local church, the distinctives, what makes us unique in the micro level. But from a macro level, um, the Capital C Church, there's three missions, um, three focus points that should apply to all three church, you know, to all churches um, overall. And this is, I'm, I'm taking these three from a Nine Marks article. Um, the first is, our first mission is to proclaim the gospel. Uh, that has to be central to the church's mission. If you are a um, Bible-preaching, Christ-centered congregation, then his gospel and the proclamation of that gospel has to be central to your mission. We see that you've referred to that already in Matthew 28, and we also see that in the book of 2 Timothy as well and, and throughout the rest of Scripture. But proclaiming the gospel has to be central to what we do. If you're not doing that, you're not a church. I mean, Amen. it's just a fact. If, if the proclamation of the gospel is not happening, and we can talk about uh, different ways in which the proclamation of the gospel happens, but unless there is a, a vocal proclamation of the gospel, you have no right to call yourself a church. It is not just a part of the mission. It is central to the mission of the church. Um, and I am fearful in our day and age, Ben, and this has happened for 2,000 years again, but I'm fearful that the proclamation of the gospel uh, is increasing or decreasing, I'm sorry, as the proclamation of ourselves as the church is increasing, and that is so damaging for the mission of the church. Amen. Amen. I think secondly, the, the second mission that we have to make sure that we're staying true to is the uh, preservation of the gospel that we are called as a church to preserve the gospel throughout the ages. We see that in 
First Timothy and Second Timothy and Titus, uh, and this the the preservation of the gospel is done by faithfully teaching and faithfully preaching the gospel. It's also done by refuting false teaching and false preaching, and making sure that we're maintaining doctrinal and moral purity. It's powerful. So the preservation of the gospel is like you said, Ben, is in Second Timothy, which just so happens I'm preaching <laughs> through right now. Uh, one of the reasons that I love Second Timothy is Paul is always talking about how important it is to fight for the purity of the gospel. And it's so easy for us to muddy the gospel with our own sinful proclivities. We have a responsibility as the church to preserve and pass down the gospel. I'll just take a real quick sidebar, Ben. Today is, uh, has, is three years since my father passed. Yes. My father yes. was... Uh, Long-time um, Southern Baptist pastor uh, who raised up two boys who were Southern Baptist pastors, and um, and one of the things that always struck me about him was the importance that he felt on both a corporate level, so him as the pastor, the under shepherd of the church, and also on an individual level for his family for the gospel to be passed down well. And that's why discipleship is so important, and that's why uh, correction is so important. And so um, we have to pick up that mantle. It's our responsibility that there, the gospel must be passed down well. The handoff has to happen well, or the church doesn't continue. Amen. And then lastly, from a macro level, from a big C level, um, I believe that every church is called one of the the missions is that we need to display the gospel that we need to be not only a display but a vivid display of gospel unity in our diversity and we see that in paul's writings him talking about being the body and yeah. every one of us having a, a different function and a different role but all part of the same body diverse but unified in first corinthians yeah, so let me put you on the spot real quick, Ben. So about that, like practically, how do you see that play out in your church? Like in your ministry context, how do you see a, a display of the gospel within your church, um, maybe by, by people who aren't in leadership or in different capacities? I think you, you see that. I see that with a willingness to serve. Mm, um, and and there's, there's other examples, but just the willingness to serve and not being concerned with a, do I have a title that accompanies this service? Do I have recognition that accompanies this service? Uh, and to be honest with you, there'll be things that go on, um, you know, that happen, that take place, that, that people are served, people reaching out, people loving, people doing. And and I, I'll get reports back that it's happened. It's like, man, this has been a great. I'm like, oh, fantastic. Uh, you know, so awesome. there's there's just this willingness to say whatever I can do to glorify God, to extend his kingdom, and to proclaim and display the gospel, that's what I'm going to do, whether it brings glory to me or not. Amen. That's the Philippians 2, humbling yourself to obedience. It's a call of every believer. Um, The display of the gospel through serving, I think, is the clearest display of the gospel that we see at the um, the macro level of the church mm-hmm. for the whole body. I mean, there's a proclamation of the gospel, and that typically happens from the pulpit or through individual going out and, and, and doing evangelism and things like that. Preserving the gospel, like you said, happens through teaching and, and preaching and um, unity and, and uh, fighting false teaching and things like that. But the, the, the display of the gospel, I think, is so clear uh, in the entirety of the church 
through service. And it's such a beautiful picture of what Christ has first done for the church. Amen. So from a macro level, we've got, as you just kind of recap there, we've got proclaiming the gospel, we have preserving the gospel, and we have displaying the gospel. Now let's spend a few minutes and let's talk about uh, staying true to the mission of the church on a micro or an individual level, because this is this is where it can get a little bit interesting, so to speak. Um, <laughs> and I want to, again, talk about this image that we see Paul talking about in 1 Corinthians, where he's talking about showing uh, diversity, unity and diversity within the body, because we've talked about that being important on a macro, on a macro level. Why would you think, Josh, that it's important for us, again, to show unity and diversity in the local church talking about those same principles? Yeah, for sure, because I think most importantly, because God has endowed gifts to individual believers through the Spirit for the edification of the body and His glory in the church. And so we're all gifted in different ways and that unity and diversity is displayed in a number of different ways. And that happens not just in the big C church, like in a way that your church is different than my church, and we might have um, our own ways of accomplishing the mission. The individuals within our church build up the mission or, or, or the accomplishing of the mission by having a different display of gifts. So my specific gift, I think, is exhortation and, and teaching um, and there are people, one, I'm not great at, 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 at um, mercy and helps and hospitality and things like that. Just ask my wife. <laughs> um, so the, thank God that, that uh, the Spirit has endowed believers in my church with that specific ability, um, which allows the mission to be accomplished in its fullness. Yeah. I am. Um... I think that sometimes we get lost uh, from a local church level, not only inside of our local churches, but let's let's just say local churches within the community. You know, my church, your church, two different churches, same community, same purpose, uh, same three primary missions, uh, as we talked about before from the macro level. But there are things that you and I would call distinctives amongst local churches. Um, you you want to take a moment and just kind of speak to different distinctives or different strengths that some churches may be looking at. If you're watching this, you see Josh's eyes getting super big. There's a reason that I framed that question to Am him. Am I allowed to? <laughs> Am I allowed to? Uh, yeah, sure. There, I think that um, d- distinctives are another way of saying, and, and this isn't necessarily always true about doctrine. There are distinctives about how we view worship, and there are distinctives about how we um, uh, how we do the our general services and things like that. But also think that um, in because of the diversity of the churches uh, and because of passages that may be difficult to understand, there are a lot of churches that feel differently about specifics within the church, about mm-hmm. ecclesiology, about. Um, things like that, and so, man, I don't even want. I don't really want to just name uh, specific ones, but y- you do see diversity in the local community. Um, our church is different than your church. Our our church is different than the Presbyterian church that's in between us. That's different than the Methodist church that's in between us. Um, we all have minute differences, but we have a bigger focus than that. When you say Ben, we understand that the mission is, is is greater than that. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about individual distinctives? Sure. I will um, 
kind of take you back to an example because I think that um, you know if if we look at it uh, kind of if we go beyond like the ecclesiology type stuff yeah. and we start looking at what what I heard someone uh, refer to one time as you know follow the favor of God on your church mm. um, and and basically you know I heard someone one of my favorite quotes is that you know we we cannot be content with just finding the pulse of God. Uh, the pulse, if I take my pulse on my wrist right now, that pulse is just evidence that my heart is functioning and at what rate. Said so if the church, a local church or the, you know, the, the big C church finds the pulse of God, then it needs to be our responsibility not to just be satisfied with saying, oh, well, we feel the heartbeat of God. We know that, he, you know, we, we know that we're on the right track. It's our responsibility to follow that pulse until we find the heart of God in a situation. And I think that, um, you know, one pastor that I was having a conversation with, he was like, man, I'm, I'm trying to build this church. And, you know, which, which I told him, I was like, well, there's a flaw in that statement, but anyhow, I digress. Uh, <laughs> uh, he said, you know, and, and all of these things are happening and we're wanting to see these people and these people and these people and these people, but all that's coming in my doors is this kind of this certain type of demographic of people. Um, and, and I said, could it be that God is maybe revealing to you what he has on his heart for your church in this season? Mm. That this, you know, this is God showing you something and it's, and it may be, maybe it's not filling the exact mold or the exact blueprint that you thought was going to take place. But I think that when we see things like that, Josh, we look at those type of distinctives if we go outside and start looking at some of these yep. practical things that oftentimes some, I know I'm guilty of it, but I'm afraid that we as a church miss opportunities that God is placing in front of us to be the church that he wants us to be because maybe it doesn't line up with our definition of who we think we should be as a church. Absolutely. Distinctives can very quickly become barriers to the mission. Uh, and that's why it's so important to cultivate uh, friendships and to recognize that we don't have it all figured out. Uh, I don't have everything figured out in ministry and ecclesiology and, and doctrine and things like that. And so that's why it's so important that um, we recognize that even though on the micro level we, do, uh, we are different than one another to a degree, uh, same Savior, same mission. That's not changed. Amen. Amen. So now we find ourselves in this COVID-19 coronavirus season. Do we um, ever. I, I think it is even more important now to keep our mission true, to stay in focus with our mission and what God has called us to be. Because one of the things that I know that you've heard a million times, what I've heard a million times, is that now is the time to make changes. Now is the time to, you know, uh, whatever you've wanted to change, whatever you think needs to be tweaked and molded and modified, now's the time to do it. And, um, you know, I think that sometimes the temptation could really be for us to lose sight of our mission, of what's truly our mission, especially when we're having to see the manifestation of what church is to us. Um, to easily, or maybe even slowly or rapidly, drift away from what the true mission of the church is with trying to make changes or be something that we're not or we shouldn't be. Ben is always like the um, calm, collected, nice one of the two of us. <laughs> I, I have, I've got a red streak in me. I think it's the Martin County in me. Ben is the redneck for sure, but 
Um, Pastor, man, if you are using this crisis as an opportunity to do your own pet project or to squack something, to kill something in the church that you simply don't like because you don't like it, shame on you and Mm -hmm. you'll answer for that one day, my man. Um, It is aggravating. I've seen, I know you're saying this, Ben, because you've seen, you've seen pastors say that uh, this is a great opportunity to change everything that we're doing as if what we were doing was not carrying out the mission of the church. It's right. it's infuriating. Now, listen, if your church was doing something that was a um, was an anchor that was holding your ship in port, and you you for that reason the the mission of the church was not being carried out because of you were beholden to tradition or you're beholden to something like that. Yeah, absolutely. This has given you an opportunity to uh, reassess that as the church. But when we are singularly making decisions to kill something because of our own desires, it's not good. It's not good. Recognize that the mission is bigger than our own preferences. The mission is bigger than our own desires. And ultimately, we have to stay true to the mission right now, above all things. Amen. Now, I, um, I've not read this book, so this is not going to be a statement of endorsing or speaking against, but there is a book that was um, published in 2014 uh, titled Mission Drift, uh, The Unspoken Crisis Facing Leaders, Charities, and Churches. Um, that was um, written by Peter Greer and Chris Horst was in on that too. But they make the statement in this talking about how much of a tendency – and a temptation it is, especially for churches, to have this slow just drifting off of the mission because very rarely do you ever see personally or corporately um, drifts that happen immediately and, you know, just, just take place within a, within a moment. It's usually a, a slowing, um, a slow fade, a drifting into it. Uh, but they say that relatively minor decisions, when compounded by time, lead organizations to an entirely different purpose and identity. Mm. And they, they really guard against that and they speak against or speak to the level of priority that we need to make sure to keep the focus um, primary. And I think if I'm looking from a practical standpoint at this, Josh, of things that I think that this does give us, this season does give us an opportunity to to do, maybe to tweak if we have um, gotten a little bit off of mission, uh, which I think it's safe to say that churches everywhere have gotten off of mission to some level or, level or degree. Yeah. But I think one of the things that we can do is we can move back towards equipping, having an equipping mindset rather than just an informational teaching from our pulpits. Uh, would you this, agree with that? Yes, this has been a great time to figure out just how well our discipleship process is working. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll never forget when this began, there was the question as to what we were going, not just us individually, but like what at large the macro level church in America was going to do during this. Were we going to do online services exclusively? Were, how are we working? And you referenced Nine Marks earlier. I remember Mark Dever, their church decided that they weren't going to do any sort of online worship to replace their in-person gathering. And his response, Dever's response was, I guess we're going to find out how well our discipleship process is going. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's true. One of the problems with the churches, you, you've mentioned that we uh, oftentimes give informational teaching rather than equipping. I think another problem is that we um, we just give fluff 
instead mm-hmm. of the the true truth of the scriptures. And so when you give people fluff and expect them to be Christians, they're going to be fluffy Christians. Man. And when something like this happens, there's a, a real um, a tendency for them to drift away from the mission individually, to drift away f- from their relationship. But we have a responsibility to equip the saints to the work of ministry so they can carry it out in times like these. Yeah, agreed. I think we also uh, see maybe a, um, a refocusing or a greater value of connection over gathering. Um, and I, um, you know, because I feel like in a lot of ways, many of us have developed deeper connections during this time in the moment that we've not been able to officially gather together in person. So I think that one of the things I hope that continues moving forward as we are able to return back to in-person stuff at a great, to a d- greater degree is that we continue to value that connection over simply just being able to gather. Absolutely. And as pastors, we have to foster this environment of uh, connecting rather than gathering. Um, your church is probably a lot like mine, Ben. We have holy huddles in our mm-hmm. church, mm-hmm. and um, one of my church members says it's me and my four and no, no, one, more, no one more, and he says that you know, jokingly. But um, because of that, we, I've seen especially that in this period of separation, you can tell which people are connected to one another and which one aren't because it's the ones that, that really never got connected to another group or another group of people in the church that have drifted away and so we have to foster connection as pastors. It's very important. Amen. Um, and here, any of you pastors or leaders who have gone live streaming or online, you are you're going to know that there is, or you, hopefully you know at this point, there is a huge difference between the number of views that you have as opposed to the number of engagements that you have. And if we're learning that online, I think that that probably should be a lesson for us as we go back to in-person to value engagement over attendance. That's excellent. That's excellent. So, I mean, that's just, it's whether whether we like it or not, uh, we have been a numbers-driven church, um, both locally and globally, uh, for the most part, uh, to understand that the value needs to be in our engagement, the discipleship process, the the life that we're doing instead of reporting a simple number for a simple hour to two hours once a week. Amen. Amen. So lastly, my, my last kind of practical application here is that we need to learn um, to embrace the beauty and embrace the power of simplicity over the busyness of complexity. And I think that we've seen that, that this has been a time where simplicity has not only been effective, but it's also been refreshing. At least to me it has. What about you, Josh? Yes, absolutely. I I have desired simplicity. Um, This is coming from someone who is speaking into a microphone that he doesn't know how it works, hearing words back in a headset that he doesn't know how it works, and it has no idea how this technology is is going. We've had to kind of learn on the fly how to be tech savvy, and you're a lot better at this than I am. That's why your setup is cool, and mine looks like I'm in the back of a van. Um, <laughs> Down but, by the river. <laughs> exactly. But I desire so much 
simplicity right now. Why would we overcomplicate the mission? I mean, we've referenced Matthew 28 multiple times. You know what Jesus said? Go. It's like, that's pretty just, simple. Just go, man. Go. Or, you know, when you get back to the original, it's as you're going. Like, while you're living this life, do this. It's not hard. And so there's there's no need for us to overcomplicate the mission. The The beauty of the mission is not its complexity. It's its simplicity. It's we're going and, and make disciples. Amen. Amen. All right. you have anything else on this topic, my friend, of staying true to our missions? God help us is my is my Amen. last quote and I Amen. mean that since sincerely uh, I have a, a real burden about this in our church and I think any pastor ought to have a burden to stay true to the mission during this time so God help us do it Amen are you ready let's do it three two one music music the Andy Bernard falsetto. That was not a day. that was not a good Ben James impression. <laughs> Listen, if you all just at about the I, I can't remember the minute mark. I may be able to look it up and put it back in yeah. the show notes, but on Josh's uh, their Sunday night service, they're live. Yeah. They he and Corey for yeah. some reason Corey just felt this impulsive need to yes. try to mimic my voice and then Josh tried to mimic Corey's mock. <laughs> yes, and, it was an imitation. imitation of his imitation. It was horrible. And, and when when I went back and listened <laughs> to that, I I almost went into a state of sackcloth and ashes and just just lamenting. I was like, please ben tell me, James. please tell me that my voice sounds absolutely nothing like it, that. Please, not not even close, man. It was such a poor imitation, but it warmed my soul. <laughs> well, that's all that matters, right there. All right. Let's get to a question here, Josh. I got one for you. A little bit different. Uh, we've, we've kind of gone off the rails a little bit and broken yeah. outside of the box, but we're going to continue doing that. So cool. as we, you know, all, the, all this time during this question, I'm recognizing that ministry is a calling from the Lord. It comes from him, not something that we bring forth in ourselves. Uh, and it's simply an extension of his grace to us. But let's yeah. step, just hypothetically step apart from that and say, what do you think that you would be doing with your life right now if you were not called to be a pastor? Wow, I love the question, man. So um, I think I probably have a unique answer to this in that I was uh, sort of later in my um, later in my twenties when I felt the Lord calling me to ministry. So I had a I had about a ten year run where I had a career uh, in banking. Uh, I was doing. Um, uh, new accounts and investments and things like that. And I had a trajectory, a path to where um, I could really carry that career out and, and do um, investments, but it did not make me happy at all. I, I knew that God was calling me to something else. Uh, if I could, if I had a career now other than um, pastoring in which I could carry out ministry, which is what I would want to do. I think it would be in the school system. I think it would be as a teacher. I love history. Uh, I know you're a history guy, too. Check out Ben's uh, Beyond the Walls podcast. He does some awesome history um, podcasts as well. But I think I would Shameless do plug. I love it. Shameless plug. Um, I think I'd be a history teacher, man. How about you? If, if God had called you out of this ministry calling, what, what would yours look like? Okay. Again, two answers for you as to what what I did before uh, stepping, yeah. you know, completely into the ministry and the pastoral role. Uh, I 
I was probably on a trajectory at one point to maybe be a, um, a captain of a riverboat because I worked for Marathon. <laughs> what? I worked for Marathon Ashland for some years as a deckhand working my way up through the deck ranks there um, on the uh, you know on the river system on the barges on the on the tugboats. You would be the greatest pirate ever. Why can't why have we not made this happen? Why am I just now figuring this out? I need to get you a parrot pronto. When you said riverboat captain, my dumb brain immediately went to you on the seven seas with a you, swashbuckler did, and a pirate. Did you see like me a, as uh, Jack Sparrow? Yes, 100%. Okay. This is why there's not a lot of personal information about me that you know. <laughs> but no, the um, one, actually one of my best friends growing up, he um, you know I, he got hired on several months after me, uh, and he is now uh, a captain out there on on the river, doing very well, very successful with that. So um, That's that, awesome. that would that would have maybe been the trajectory if I would have picked, you know, what I would have done. I didn't enjoy, I enjoyed the work, but I didn't enjoy being gone a month at a time uh, from yeah. my family. If I were to have to pick, probably a college history professor. Uh, for some reason, I, I had no draw uh, to be a history teacher in like a middle school or a high school. But um, from a from a college level, university level, I think that I would have really, really enjoyed um, the history. And of course, there would have had to, had to have been a podcast that would have involved me being a history professor as well. I think you would have been awesome at that, brother. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode. Josh, you want to tell them how they can contact us if they would like to complain about um, about your imagery of me being a pirate? Yes, absolutely. If you uh, would like to reach out to us, send us questions or topics that you'd like us, like us to, to consider, you can do so at twopreacherstalking at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, uh, and, and you can leave us any sort of comments there, and we, we will get back to you. Also want to give you a heads up that if you leave us a five-star review, not One, a four-star. three, four, five. That Count them five, in your head. Five. Five-star review on uh, the Apple Podcasting app. We will shout you out from the podcast, and that's worth more than gold. Amen. Yeah, I think. Amen. I think. Still, still no, reach, reach out to us. Yeah, still no new reviews since the Macho Man left one. It's People are intimidated by it's Randy unbeatable. Savage. Yep. It's unbeatable. All right. Well, Josh, it's been good talking to you today. Listeners, um, thank you for joining us. Um, we'll be back hopefully next week with a new topic, new ramblings, and new lunacy from Two Preachers Talking. <laughs>